0: Salutations, dear Reeb. Hello, hello. How are ye all keeping? You are very welcome to, to ra the podcast where myself and Christian Dugstad are exploring what kind of songs. Folk songs. Them's be the ones. The folk songs of the world or of Ireland for now, and <laughs> that's that's where we're at. And you're very welcome here to the show on this lovely October, November, no, it's November, November's (laughs) evening. It's
1: definitely November.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that it was feckin' freezing outside, but you're very welcome to the show, folks, and we are Delira and Exira to have you here with us, and we're Delira and Exira to be talking about some more lovely music and tunes and musicians today. Christy Barry Murphy is over there in Osley. How how much colder (laughs) is it in Osley than it is in Clare? I don't know how, how cold is it in Clare. Um, now, I'm no expert in temperatures, but in my experience from what I felt walking outside the door, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's fucking freezing.
1: Okay, okay. Give me a second and we'll actually go into the app. Because in Osley, as you like to say, it is four degrees Celsius for all you Americans. uh, Nice. With your inches and your feet and your foreign heat. Uh, And in... Okay, well, you you have it there. But I I don't trust you enough, so I'll, I'll go in and check myself. And it says exactly the same. Nine degrees Celsius in Ennis, County Clare. And it feels says like seven. It uh, okay, because on my it says feels like eight, in Ennis. <laughs> what app are you on? Uh, I don't know. It came with the phone. Okay, because I'm on, uh, I'm on Ir, which is the Norwegian weather app by mm-hmm. by the Met Institute of of Norway, and according to several people, m- many of them having a. F- something to do with the app itself so we can't really trust them but also people that haven't got anything to do with the app this is maybe the best weather app in the world and it's apparently used by That's not
0: biased at all
1: Yeah no I know (laughs) but apparently it's even used by by farmers in Africa to predict the weather (laughs) so Ir it's a Y and an R and it means uh, light rain in Norwegian
0: Nice I just I just pressed on The picture of the little cloud that was on my homepage on my phone. Well, congratulations. (laughs) I won't be as fancy as you, you know. I'm a bit of a social media hermit. You're a fucking culty. What do you make of this new uh, metaverse shite? Metaverse? Have you not heard about meta? What? Enlighten me. Okay, so two or three days ago, um, your man... Uh, The head of Facebook, what's his name? Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg Zuckerberg came out Uh, and they they announced that the entire company of Facebook is rebranding. They're changing their name to Meta. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, this fucking shit.
0: And they're entering the Metaverse. They're going all in on virtual reality. They're creating basically ways for you to work from home and like you could put on this headset and suddenly you're sitting in the office and all of your colleagues are sitting around you as avatars. And if you, if I want to go for a coffee with you right now, Christian, we can put on our headsets and go and meet each other in insomnia coffee in the fucking metaverse and get a flat white and sit down on a couch and have a chat with each other with these headsets on, even though we're on two opposite sides of the world. But what, like, how does, how
1: is there the in, coffee
0: real? I I don't know how it fucking works. And they're saying like, the, like friends on opposite sides of the world can go to the cinema with each other and do all of these things and it's going to revolutionize working from home because you can work from home and not be at home.
1: I'm looking forward to the folk songs of the the, the era of the Metaverse, going like, As I rode out one fine May morning, and I put on my Meta headset, I went down the road to the Costa Coffee in the Metaverse with my friend Josh
0: from the other side of the world. Well, like, if they're able to do that, I really wish they'd fucking sort out a way of playing music simultaneously first.
1: Yeah, like, because I can't, I can't believe that this is still a real problem. Like, this should have been the first thing that they sorted, giving yeah. us lag-free online communication. Yeah. But it's not fucking possible. Not yeah. As far as I know, there doesn't exist a single way for us to... <laughs> Yeah.
0: I've spoken to people that are really, like, intelligent when it comes to uh, communication and all of that technology, and, like, all of them have said it's not fucking physically possible to get two people sim- simultaneously because no matter what, even at its very, very best, that information has to travel. It needs time to travel no matter how far it is. Yeah. it's It's a rule of physics, apparently.
1: Well... <laughs> I, I kind of find that a little bit beautiful that for people like I know I'm doing a complete one eighty here from being mad about it, but <laughs> it's it is a little bit beautiful that for people to actually play music together they still need to be in like physically in the same yeah place, in
0: the same yeah, room. I get I get it, I get it. There's a rarity to it. Rar- I mean, even rarity. even if you
1: ev even, even if you have one person on uh on a stage playing and and another person in the back of an arena, like the 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 music takes t- or the sound takes time to travel, or two pipers on opposite sides of a field, yeah, like they they wouldn't be able to play in actual unison.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So that that is
1: kind of. It that makes sense. Kinda nice. yeah. But if
0: Mark Zuckerberg is trying to impress people and trying to fucking get us all into this meta buzz and metaverse and go off meeting our friends in I, I don't know the far reaches of China for a coffee, could he not be able to sit us all down to have an old trad session and a pint? No. Yeah, I wish. But still,
1: like I, I don't, I don't get um like how, how would it work and how would it be better than just. A normal Zoom conversation. Like, how would we be able to go and get a coffee? Because, like, obviously, the, the, the coffee shop wouldn't be real. The coffee wouldn't be real. There wouldn't be, like, what would
0: be the point? He released a demo of it today. There was a video up of a demo of whatever, they have a name for it. It's Horizon Rooms or some some shit, I don't know. I'm, I'm calling it some shit now and watch this time next year. It'll be revolutionary and everyone it'll be like an episode of Black Mirror stepping outside your home. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it was all like... He basically showed what it would be like hypothetically and there was a guy sitting at his coffee table at home and he put on the headset and suddenly he was in the office but he was still at his coffee table and all the people and things happening around him were avatars. It was really weird. But but, was, but, like, how... <laughs>
1: But would you then look at a sort of a an, an imaginary screen within your headset screen? Like, would you?
0: Like, what, I don't know. Is it what, a three sixty thing? And and how? Like, how would you
1: have? Because you still like you you. If if you're doing your fucking job, like you probably have to use a keyboard and a mouse and a computer. Like, yeah, he had what, all of that at
0: his desk. Like it was all part of it. But he was able to, like, it was like something out of a movie. He was able to pull up, like, if he has one keyboard screen, this is getting really out of hand. This is a podcast about folk songs, but I'll I'll explain and then we'll move on. So he has one keyboard screen, but then he puts on the headset and suddenly he can move his hands like this in some kind of a fancy way. And he is suddenly able to expand his keyboard screen to become three or four monitors and work with his laptop off of three or four monitors as opposed to just one. If you get but are
1: that. these like VR headsets, v- VR glasses? Yeah, that's m- what like it looked like. Yeah, the normal like PlayStation-ish. Yeah, that's type what it thing. looked
0: like in the video he put out. Anyway, so he puts it on and suddenly he can do whatever he wants. He can create ten screens instead of one, and the one real screen is still there. And then on one screen he can set up a meeting and invite someone. And then it cut out to a woman sitting on a park bench. And she's, like, got her glasses on. And she's got the same thing going on, like, all these screens. And then she creates a screen and she can see that your man created a room. She opens his room and suddenly she's in the room with him and they're having a board meeting. It's fucking weird. Jesus Christ. Well, you can do it on the go. There was a guy having a board meeting while walking his dog. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, like, that's that's all. It's fine and all, but... but Is it, I I don't know. Like, it, it, it'll probably work itself out. But what you you can never you can never ever make a virtual version of a pint of Guinness.
0: Like, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Did you see the disgusting pint of Guinness that went out online yesterday no. or the day before? No. There's Wh- a lot of people. It done? went viral. A lot of people giving out about it. I don't know where it was, but some pub somewhere served a pint of Guinness with no head oh yeah yeah I, I did see that So it looked like a pint of Coca-Cola and it was just straight like it was flat black all the way up to the top of the glass yeah and the receipt actually said
1: no one, uh, yeah.
0: one, one pint Guinness no head so someone actually ordered it
1: yeah
0: like what the fuck
1: <laughs> that is that's horrendous like what <laughs> and, and I wonder how they did it too like, they probably, they would have, they would have had to, um, to do the push on the, um, push on the tap all the way, so they poured the whole thing without nitrogen. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Lollipop stick to get rid of the last of the head.
1: And then, well, and yeah, and any, any type of fat would probably ruin the bubbles as well, so they probably, they took their finger and, 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 uh, uh, stuck it under nose to get some, to get some nose fat, and then rim the glass with it.
0: Nose fat.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the oils from your skin. Have you have you ever seen people do? It's actually fascinating and a little bit disgusting. But you you can see it on YouTube. People that pour pour um just a glass of beer. Uh, from from a can or a bottle and, and it gets like it gets a super big head so half the glass's head and then they actually they rub their finger on their nose or their cheek or something to get oils from the skin and they r- rub the finger along the rim of the glass and the head just collapses <laughs> what? Cause the the oils the fat breaks up the Jesus this is getting out of hand Josh we, it really <laughs> is are we going to
0: talk about music or uh,
1: oh we need to move on we need to move on um, <laughs> so yeah house-
0: we are Tora Laura we yeah. are a podcast about folk songs you're very welcome to the show and today we're going to be talking about some interesting topics we have many ways of you for, of you for you with you to get in touch with us we have social media what have we Christian. We
1: have the Instagram uh, owned by uh, Zuckerberg and the Metaverse. We have the Facebook owned by Zuckerberg and the Metaverse. <laughs> the uh, world is fucked. Yeah, so we're we're Tour Lura podcast on both of them. You can on Facebook, you can search for Tour Lura, and you'll find us on Instagram. It's at Tour Lura podcast, and then obviously it's the Gmail and all of the O's and everything. Tour Lura podcast at gmail.com. That is us, and uh, us is that.
0: Lovely stuff. Fantastic.
1: Should we so, just get stuck in? Absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to use today to talk about a musician who lived in County Clare, as, as he naturally would. Any chance to get a chance. I'm not speaking well today. Any chance to get a chance to talk <laughs> Any about... Any chance, pal? <laughs> to get a chance to talk... Do- <laughs> to get a chance to get a chance to talk about anyone from County Clare who is involved in music is a good day for me. But uh, we had an old sad day there during the week where we lost a fantastic troubadour of music in Ireland, a guy called Sean Tyrrell, who was very renowned, particularly in County Clare. He was a Galway man, but lived in North Clare up in the burn, And he was just a really, really well-known, really, really great figure in Irish music and songwriting and singing. And I thought it was a good chance to give him a mention and a bit of a tribute today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like like I said to you Josh, he's his name is is known to me and I would have heard him mentioned on several occasions but he wouldn't be on my playlists. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too familiar with him or uh, his music. Uh yeah. but but like no time like the present really to 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 get uh, to get to know someone even though it's like it's sad that people whenever people pass away it's it's really sad but at least if if you can use that as an occasion to to get to know the music a little bit better then it isn't like it, it isn't completely meaningless in a way yeah. It f- it feels like that anyway. And I would say it it was like as wasn't it? Who died a few years ago and and all of a sudden the the prices of all the music went straight. Like was it Amy Winehouse or something? When sh- when she died, the price the prices of all the all the the albums were were just pushed straight up. Or
0: was it Michael Jackson? No. It could have been, it could have been.
1: Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so, so you you said to me that the song that you wanted to do um, in this occasion to talk about, Sean, uh, was a piece called The Coast of
0: Malabar.
1: A, song, song. That I, a song that I wouldn't have heard before.
0: Yeah, um, really, really beautiful song. Like, it wouldn't have been one that was really high... Not, not it is really high in my estimations, but it wouldn't have been one that I would have thought about, or remembered, or considered, to be honest with you, until I started listening to Sean again during the week, because Sean Terrell was a musician that I would have heard of, but never experienced, like the the pleasure or the chance to get to play music with him. Even though so many of my County Clare counterparts have had the chance and the honor of playing music with him over the years and getting to know him. My only experience of him would be through other people talking about him or through several times in Glore Theatre in Ennis when I was young where I would have gone to concerts with my grandmother and he would have sang songs and I remember him singing The Coast of Malabar and it was absolutely gorgeous, but as I said, I was only young so I wouldn't have thought about it or remembered it. And uh, it was when this flood of posts came in on Facebook during the week when he passed away, I just got to thinking about him and thinking, God, I've never listened enough to him. You know, and I wish I had because he's he's just really, really, really nice musically. Everything everything he does is really interesting and really nice and he influenced so many people more than he would ever know. You know, because I definitely he definitely would have been an influence on me, even without me realising at times maybe. But um <clears throat> the first thing I wanted to mention was Owen O'Neill's post on Facebook, because Owen O'Neill, if you know Owen O'Neill you'll know that he is a very prolific and very well-spoken musician from Dublin who lives in County Clare as well and he spent many many years in the Doolan music scene and he has so many stories about every musician up and down the country and if you go onto his Facebook and follow him you'll see all his stories and you can listen to his radio show on Clare FM and you'll just come across some real really rich content really about the history of Irish music and the people he's met and I think oh, and if you're listening you should write a book. Go out there and write a book. I'll buy it. I'll plug it. We'll plug it on Toro Laura. But yeah, O'Neills. So Owen O'Neills' post. I'm actually going to read it. He wrote on the thirtieth of September. One night in the roadside tavern in nineteen eighty one, a dark haired man with piercing eyes and the most powerful and eloquent Galway talk sang the coast of Malabar. Micheline Conlon sat beside him playing concertina, wearing a schoolboy hat. It went through me. One of thousands to be brought on song journeys by the troubadour. Subversive poetry was listened to and we never heard anything like it. We will miss the great Galway Bard who loved County Clare. slawn Sean. Sean Tyrrell, rest in peace. And there's a lovely picture of him from that night. But that post was the one that got me thinking, God, the coast of Malabar, I remember that. And I looked it up and I listened to it and it, and it hit me the same way Belfast Mountains hit me. Even oh. though I had, heard, I had heard it before. Yeah. I, just thought it, I just thought it was gorgeous. And it was, uh, yeah. If you were going to talk about a song that Sean Tyrrell sang it will be close to Malabar.
1: Brilliant. So there's a well, long-winded
0: explanation.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 uh, that's good. Uh, I mean, how the songs hit here is is half of the concept of this, this podcast, isn't it? Like, yeah. we wouldn't be talking about the history unless, unless there was something deeply emotional about the, about the tune. So you sent me the song um, and I went in and I listened to it and, I think my my first reaction to you was that uh, it sounds like an Irish an Irish folk musician playing an Italian song about the coast of India, which is uh, <laughs> which a, is exactly a, a what fairly strange trinity because to me that the song has uh, like obviously it is about. The, the coast of of india um, yeah. malabar is is in india but but the italian part it doesn't really have any basis in reality does it because <laughs> it's it's just to me it sounded ex- very much like uh, it's it, it it had that Italian street musician like mandolin scola, the accordion type yeah. feel to it. It felt like uh, the musicians that that sort of music bomb you when when you're in an Italian restaurant in yeah. Italy, and they come in and they and they play music and they um they <laughs> try to rob you. Uh, yeah. Of your hard-earned dough, Jesus. And... It's a
0: beautiful arrangement. Like I love the way it's played. But like Sean has, like his version of this would be very strongly maybe just with bassuki or just with guitar, and he would have played it at sessions on his own. And maybe yeah. a concertina player might have joined in. Or he played quite a lot in North Clare with Davy Spillane, which must have been some experience, you know. But um, <sighs> yeah, so the original version that he would have sang would have been kind of more singer-songwriter solo and he has rhythms all of his own that he just kind of owns and plays and everyone else falls in with him and he's, he's just very unique in terms of his singing and his style and I don't think the song would be the same without that even though there are other lovely versions of it by the Chieftains and by Jimmy Crowley and all of that uh, I think Sean Tyrrell makes it for me you know yeah. but that album that the album that that recording that I sent to you uh is on is an album called Cry of a Dreamer at least i think it is which is a beautiful album in itself and you can hear that online um but that is my favorite track on the album and i put a post on facebook as well when i heard that he passed away and i just said that i've been listening to that song on repeat for the last week which yeah. i have i've been trying to learn it actually but it's it's hard to get the nuances the way he has them you know yeah. you're never going to sing it the way Sean Turrell sings it but it is beautiful and he yeah. has toured all around the continent and all around australia and america and the world so he has he has he had the experience of that music in those places so i'm sure that that played a part yeah he lived in new york for many years as well and san but, francisco
1: yeah i i just want to make a point of if you're trying to learn the song don't don't make such a huge deal of of uh, of well, what you said of getting the nuances like he did. Cause, cause <laughs> that's it's... not what I meant either like yeah, no, not trying
0: i to I, get... I, know, I
1: know I get what you meant, but at the same time, I feel like it's it's a good it's a good time to to say that like it's important that the song now, especially now that he's not gonna go around to to sessions and and play it it's important that other people does or do. Yeah, because that is that's the way the song is is gonna survive. Obviously, we live in a time now where where it's forever going to be available on streaming platforms, all <laughs> across the internets. But that like the life of the song is in the sessions and on the stages, and and it, it's super important that other people pick it up and and keep it alive.
0: That's it. If the song lives on, so will he. You know even though he didn't write the song the song is actually much much older than that which is really interesting i love i love that concept too like it's other people like him that brought it to him so yeah. you're dead right you know yeah exactly
1: um you found a good bit about the song on on different threads on mudcat and and alike <laughs> but but just um f- first of all like malabar coast For anyone that, that wonder, um, according to our old friend, uh, the Wikipedia, uh, It is uh, the southwestern coast of the Indian subcontinent. Geographically, it comprises the wettest regions of southern India as the western ghats intercept the moisture-laden monsoon rains, especially on their westward-facing mountain slopes.
0: Pretty similar to Ireland, so.
1: (laughs) you, you You can gather away. It was uh, turned into song.
0: Well, I don't know, is is the composer... The composer was uh, possibly English? Um, it seems that way, yeah. It seems like the composer was English, but the uh, song did the rounds for many years around England and Ireland, and there's a lot of, uh, again, like there always is, there's a lot of ambiguity as to where it actually came from, you know. There's mentions of things here and there. The Chieftains recorded it, and Paddy Maloney... Rest in Peace as we mentioned the other day Yeah, um, has a quote from their recording with Roy Cooter where he says my grandmother used to sing this song at trad house parties in the Sleave Bloom mountains of Central Ireland I can still remember her sitting on an old wooden milk churn in a country kitchen singing a version she called Little Maid from Malabar so it's older than it seems I actually originally thought that Sean Terrell wrote this song but clearly he didn't you know yeah Um. So that delved me into a little Mudcat thread here where there was lots of different things. The Clancy Brothers have a version. Jimmy Crowley had a version. Um, Who else had some stuff going on there? Uh, Jimmy Crowley actually has an album called The Coast of Malabar in case anyone is interested.
1: Ah. And for Um, anyone that doesn't remember or hasn't heard uh, or listened to all of our back, Catalog Jimmy Crowley is known for for making for being the first to make uh, Johnny Jump Up famous. Our our first ever full episode, if I'm not yep. mistaken,
0: it certainly was. Um, someone else in Mudcat wrote the Coast of Malabar was a favorite with the old folk back in the nineteen forties. Someone always gave it an airing in a pub or a club. Jimmy Crowley maintains it's from Victorian times and he first heard it sung either by his grandmother or his mother. Can't remember which. And I think Jimmy's recording of it is by far the gentler version. A well-known singer from these parts of the woods says it's from the 50s, but I feel he's way, way off. And he certainly is, as I'm going to explain in a second. I first heard it myself sung by an old man in the 60s. I think he got it from his father. <coughs> so there's the, there's the folk songs doing the rounds again, but... The next thing was one that interested me because it said, The words suggest that it was inspired by Kipling, who was Rudyard Kipling, and probably not much later than his writings. Several poets took up where Kipling left off. A carefully crafted little piece, it must have appeared as a poem somewhere. Pure speculation, of course, but I don't think that that's all wrong. Because at the same time, Kipling had been visiting India and doing all of that and coming back to England, and I'm sure he was inspiring writers of the time, you know? Was he so, a missionary in India or...? Yes, he was a missionary that went from England to India and was involved in the population of India. Well, repopulation. What What's the real word you would use there? The, um,
1: uh,
0: uh, I don't want to call them plantations, but... <laughs> well,
1: it sort of is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's no point in... <laughs> it, we all know that England has a very bloody history and, mm-hmm. uh, and we all
0: know India and Ireland share some of that history
1: yeah I mean India is well both India and China uh, are uh, two fairly it's a hard to find good words for <laughs> these things but two yeah. fairly um, controversial, controversial chapters of history
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And despite all of his beautiful writing and fantastic talent when it came to creativity and creation of art, Rudyard Kipling, I would say, most likely, I'm not an expert on him, but he most likely wasn't on the good side of the bayonet, if you know what I mean. But he, uh, yeah, so he was over uh, exploring the jungles of India where he actually wrote the Jungle Book. And, um, yeah, but... I think when he came back, he's he surely all his writings and he has famous diaries about his time in India and all of that. And it must have inspired other people, you know. So I did a little bit more research and I came across different websites and there wasn't that much on the coast of Malabar. But then I went back to what Paddy Maloney said about how the older version was known as the little maid from Malabar. And I found a little page there somewhere, if I can find it. Where is it gone? Uh, a nostalgic Irish love ballad. Where? Oh, yeah. The Maid of Malabar song. And here on worldcat.org it says author Stephen Adams and F.E. Weatherly, 1897. But there was no other picture or evidence that it was the same song, so I was like, okay, fair enough. And then I found another little article that said a nostalgic Irish love ballad written in 1897 by Frederick E. Weatherly, not Waverly this time, and Stephen Adams. Malabar is the region of the southwest coast of India, blah, 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 known for the spice trade. The song has several other names, notably Little Maid of Malabar, and there are many versions, so I said, "Okay, so these two guys, whether it's Weatherly or Waverly, these two guys are the guys who are most likely culprits for writing the song, you know."
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: So I decided to Google them, and I found Frederick E. Waverly quite fast, or Weatherly. Sorry, it was Weatherly. So <laughs> Waverly, Waverly was wrong on the other page. Um. Yeah, Frederick Weatherly, Frederick Edward Weatherly. Was an English lawyer, author, lyricist, and broadcaster, christened and brought up using the name Frederick Edward Weatherly. That's a tongue twister, and appears to have adopted the spelling Frederick later in life. He's estimated to have written the lyrics to at least three thousand popular songs, among what? the best known of which are the sentimental ballad Danny Boy, set to the tune London Air, the Derry Air, the religious Holy City, and the wartime song Roses of Picardy. So now for you. The speculation is that the man that wrote Danny Boy is the same man that wrote the lyrics for Coast of Malabar. So now we're getting somewhere, Christian. Jesus,
1: I, I need to go into Wikipedia now. Um, Danny Boy is a ballad written by English songwriter Frederick Weatherly in 1913. It
0: says mm-hmm. so. Jesus. It all adds up. So that brings me to the other interesting individual. Uh, where has he gone? What was his name again? Oh yeah, <laughs> Stephen Adams. So I was like, okay, Frederick e. Weatherly. He's, like I said, most likely the lyricist for this song. Um, he was probably the one as well who visited India or was inspired by Kipling because there is a whole. If you want to check him out, folks, go on to Frederick ending ending on a scene on a K Weatherly on Wikipedia, and there's a whole blurb there about his life and all, and he's travelled and he's been involved in a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. There's so, a
1: fantastic photo photograph of him here with <laughs> his proper like the, the the wigs that they if I'm do they still use them in English the course barsters, yeah yeah <laughs> and I know them very well from uh from in the name of the father my all-time favorite movie uh with all the lads and and you one the <laughs> the lawyer on the good side the, yeah. the one that gets um uh, Jerry. Uh, and the rest of the Belfast. Uh, Belfast, Belfast, five, Belfast, six, Belfast, Birmingham o- six. No, 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 no. Bur- yeah, what? The Birmingham six. Is that is is that Jerry O O? Birmingham six or the Guildford four? It the Guildford the four. Okay. The Guildford 4. That's that's what I'm looking for. Uh, but the, yeah, t- uh, fantastic with his barrister robes here and a fantastic moustache and that silly little hat of a wig. Anyway, go on
0: Josh. <laughs> I love that. Barristers up and down the country now are shaking in their boots listening to you. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but yeah, so he was the lyricist but then I looked up the other guy, Mr. Stephen Adams and I was interested to find out who he was. And it brought me directly to a page about a man called Michael Maybrick. And I said, oh, that's not right. And I went back and it redirected me to him again. So Michael Maybrick was an English composer and singer, best known under his pseudonym Stephen Adams, as the composer of The Holy City, one of the popular religious songs in English. So again, if you want to check him out, folks, there's a whole little blurb there about his life. And he wrote songs and he did a lot of stuff. He toured, he sang, he played music. Um, And I thought, okay, it's all fairly fairly straightforward, you know, choral societies and orchestras and travel and all of that until you get to the little chapter, chapter, what would you call it, uh, paragraph about his retirement. And I'm just going to read it out for the crack. Maybrick was a keen amateur sportsman, a cricketer, a yachtsman and a cyclist and a captain in the artist's rifles. On 9th March 1893, he married his 40-year-old housekeeper, Laura Withers, and settled with her at a ride on the Isle of Wight. They were joined there by the two children of his brother, James Maybrick, later a suspect in the Jack the Ripper case, What, and whose wife Florence was convicted of his murder in 1889. Holy Moses, a re-examination of her case resulted in her release in 1904. Michael Maybrick himself is named as Jack the Ripper by the film director Bruce Robinson in his book on the subject. What?
1: So both the father and the son <laughs>
0: that's, that's what it sounds like Maybrick became chairman of the Isle of Wight hospital, was a magistrate and was five times mayor of Ryde. He was also a Freemason He had been at Buxton for three weeks being treated for periodic gout and he died in his sleep of heart failure in 1913 Buried four days later at you guessed it, Ryde. <laughs> but yeah So it sounds like both him and his nephew were suspects in the Jack the Ripper case
1: <laughs> that is priceless. That so, is, yeah.
0: Like, where do you go with that? <laughs> he's sold so, hundreds of thousands of copies of his songs, and th- and then he's a suspect in Jack the Ripper, and then he goes on to be a magistrate and the mayor of Ride five times.
1: <laughs> I Like, I can't wrap, wrap my head around any of the, that, but least of all, the fact that he's the mayor of Ride. <laughs> Uh, with a, could, with a could, Y, with a Y, yeah, okay, but but you can't you can't hear that audibly. Can you explain, Josh? I'm gonna pass the ball to you. I'm gonna pass the Schlitter over to you. Why is the mayor of Ride particularly funny?
0: <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it goes without saying, but like Ride would be a very Irish way of depicting a certain activity that takes place quite often In, inter- among adults among adult individuals. <laughs> in which they do a bit of riddle dee diddle ding <laughs> and uh, yeah it goes without saying like I said we won't get into too much details we'll keep a PG for the kids
1: <laughs> Ride isn't that the catchphrase of um, of your man Mick the Bull the yeah. the, the Irish Irish uh, comedy sketch character Mick the Bull <laughs> yeah. right
0: Dave McSavage he's a great comedian but that is one of his, yeah, absolutely one of his. Yeah, they just started writing. Oh my god! That's
1: but yeah, um, That's other
0: funny. other notable versions of the song, like I said, Jimmy Crowley, the Chieftains with Ray Cooter. Um, who else does it? I can't even remember now. I've gone through so many different things here. Um, I'm sure, I'll type it in. We'll get a few. Um, Trina and e Donald has a version great singer. let's see now let's see now let's see
1: Coast of Malabar Coast of Malabar yes do
0: you sir. think there's a a bar in the bag Malabar <laughs> I, wish. I wish a bar in the bag a bag of cans yeah uh,
1: well yeah you said you, you mentioned the Clancy brothers Tommy
0: Makem and, and Liam Clancy yeah uh, and their version would also be quite prolific and quite well known like all of their songs are nice and gentle and they have, they have lovely versions of songs about travel in general, you know? Yeah. Uh, Rory's ringing me. Stop ringing me, Rory.
1: <laughs> Rory O'Costlo, who uh, you all know from our famous, uh, well-known episode on, uh, on uh, the fantastic song um, called Ball
0: Teddy Quill. That's the one. That's the one. Of Boxty Gang fame as well. Oh yeah. You'd <laughs> be yeah, delighted yeah. now he got an old mention in the podcast. Yeah,
1: just from ringing Josh. Yeah. It's just to ring Josh any Thursday night and you'll get a mention <laughs> on Touralura.
0: <laughs> well, but what's this what's this other story, Christian? Sorry, I'm going completely in yeah, another on, direction on, here now. Like this whole concept of I'm I'm gonna say Irish for the sake of the podcast for now. Rory. Uh.
1: I'm not I'm not going to edit this out. I'm leaving it in.
0: <laughs> oh, why is he doing this to me? I'm going to turn off my volume now. <laughs> Sorry Rory if you're listening. My apologies. Um what was I saying? Oh yeah. So for the sake of the podcast we're going to speculate that this is an Irish song, okay? Is that alright with you? That's fine, that's fine. I think the calibre of Irish musicians that have made it their own over the years heralds it to be called an Irish song. But what is the feckin' story with all of these ancient old Irish songs and Irish stories and folk music in general all about women from far away across the sea? Yeah. Why are they all so far away?
1: Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't even, like does for example Spanish Lady does that qualify she's in the city yeah. of Dublin but, but she, she is from
0: doesn't she she runs away well, maybe she does there's another Spanish Lady song that was on my mind there where he, I, a Dublin man falls in love with a Spanish woman and then she fucks off back to Spain and he doesn't go with her and fairly well my love I ne'er shall see you no more are you, you, you sure you're to... not
1: just speaking from
0: memory <laughs> That's not very nice, Christian. <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry. I I can edit it out if you want. Uh, fuck it, it's grand.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, in in the, the lakes in the... upon train, you have all yeah, of these. Yeah, the, yeah. And all I'm... of these songs is basically yeah. what I'm getting at. And there's always either these women that are already far away across the sea, and the man meets them and falls in love, and then it can never be because you have to go home, or they're in Ireland and you meet them and they leave, and it's always just well, it's sad. It's a sad little story, but is it a running trend? Do Irish musicians and Irish creatives just have a grow for people far away or the foam? Are we our own worst downfalls?
1: Good question. I I don't really have a good answer for you, but um, but my thoughts on it is that I find it like, as you know, Josh, uh, I kind of have a thing for for concepts and for continuity and for for things being very i don't know like wholesome in their in their idea and thought and i've always found it a little bit like sort of a a thing that's a little bit hard to to conceptualize within my idea of celtic music all all of these mentions of of things in the far east and the far south and like off the coast of India or or in and uh, or the Spanish ladies or like it, it's it's a strange thing but I guess that it it kind of makes sense after all like it's all of the best songs or a lot of the best songs are, are about longing and it's very easy yeah. to long for someone
0: that's very far away that's the thing do you think that it's a Concept that all these songs are being written to fit into this little box because I don't because no, you I hear don't. a song I... you hear a song like the Coast of Malabar and you hear these beautiful poetic lyrics and like you you can feel his pain in the song like whoever wrote this I I don't think there's any way to think other than than that he was in India and he met this girl and this really happened Yeah no I yeah I, I believe you
1: I I think so too. I just think that the the trend is that those experiences inspire some of the best songs not the other way around not not that people seek out these stories to write that type of song just yeah. that the experiences inspire that type of song and I think it's a, this is just be, me being completely pseudo scientific I I have no evidence for any of this but like my my um my head is telling me that it's a combination of a few different things. It's a very strong, like, like we talked about with Mick Martin. there's a very, very strong tradition of, of folk music in Ireland, stronger than a lot of other places. And that might have come from, from different things, but definitely from uh, oppression. Uh, that, that is the thing that inspires um Po- poetry or or poeticness mm-hmm. uh, but but maybe it's maybe it's just a deep part of culture uh, as well or beautiful I, I think art
0: comes from the faces of adversity
1: yeah <laughs> so I, th- I think that's that's one thing it's there's a strong culture there to begin with for writing yeah. songs um, and also i think what you've said before is is very true in historical context as well that ireland is uh, a nation bred for export for other reasons before the now but yeah. but for obvious reasons oppression uh poverty uh the, the, just the the raging shadow of a tyrant uh, literally a stone's throw over the water, so I, I think a lot of people travelled for for several reasons. So I yeah. think there would. So do you think
0: the mystery and the love for these like uh, relationships far away over the foam were driven out of like a uh, a need to. Go away, like out of a, a desire to go somewhere else. Uh, grass well, is greener on the other side. Well, that might have been it, or it might have just been the fact that all the other
1: factors actually drove people from their homes. So there would have, at all times, ha- have been a lot of Irish people around the world to meet all of yeah. these girls, and uh, because of the. And other... then leave them. <laughs> well, maybe they had to. Maybe yeah. they were on a ship that that left, or like there might have been a million reasons why, but then on top of that, because of the culture of Ireland, uh, some of the, like, because these love stories probably happened between uh, people from, from England and from Scotland and from other, from Germany and from Holland and all the people that traveled around the world. So why don't but, we ha- why don't but, we have
0: songs about those is my question.
1: Yes. This, this is where, I, what I'm getting at. There were probably a, a quite a good portion like of a, a a a good few irish people travelling compared to to the population of ireland and the strong poetic uh artsy <laughs> culture in ireland so you you would probably just the coincidence is that a lot of the people from Ireland and had those experiences were the ones that had the, the musical and poetic ability to put but it into there's, words there's
0: my next question then is that a little hot take that we have there is that like are, are we thinking that like the more artsy create, creative people had this grown desire in their heart to go out and experience something different than what they were getting at home like are, are they get like this is just getting away from the science of the head and going into the Art, artistic nature of the heart, I suppose, and driving across the sea. Like, are, do they set out looking for these things, or do they maybe, just happen on the way? Maybe,
1: maybe it's. A, I think for sure that artistic people are are very longing. Yeah. Very often are very longing and, and find it hard to settle. At the same time, we're talking about the people that that have written a million songs about wanting to go home but not being able to. So, yeah. like, but but maybe that's just the the unsettledness of yeah. of poetic and and artistic people. But I I yeah. do definitely think that the factors at home played a, a big role for for like we all know why so many we've talked about this before why so many Irish people left Ireland to 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 go to England to work oh yeah and and probably and and why so many Un, went unwillingly. to... unwillingly yeah and went to the states because like I, I think a lot of the Irish that traveled around the world probably didn't do it uh, for for the sake of adventure but for the, mm-hmm. f- from from necessity there wasn't anything for them home.
0: Yeah, you're talking someone here in the 1800s that went to India and fell in love with a, a wee girl on the coast of Malabar, and ended up having to leave, probably back to England or back to Ireland or wherever he was yeah. from. But and then Malabar,
1: came... like you said, Malabar is um, is uh, is a spice. Uh, th- it was a big trading th- zone tra- trading zone yeah. so like it, to me it doesn't sound it doesn't sound strange at all that someone well we don't know if it is but but let's say that this like you said this is written by imagine this is written by an Irish person like it, yeah. it not by Jack the Ripper And <laughs> not by Jack the Ripper like <laughs> it's it's not it's not unheard of that a poor uh Irish person trying to find work, uh, got drafted for, for a ship that yeah. was doing spice trade. They were, uh, they were anchored in Malabar and they were there for, for a week or a few days and he fell in love with this girl and uh, happened to, to be an artistic, poetic person and ended up writing that song.
0: And then these these songs make the journey home, or they or the person makes the journey home and writes the song when they get there. Like what? It's it's just amazing to me, like how yeah. much of a chord that experience must have struck with them for them to write something like that, or write something so sad or so melancholic. I suppose would be the word, like because yeah. it's it's still people are still feeling it to this day when they hear it. They say, Jesus, that's a yeah. sad song, but yeah. like they write that. Out of the depths of their fucking heart, and yeah. it becomes a hit, and then it haunts them for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, like. And this this is one of the things that is so hard to to put yourself into the mindset of of that person of that time, because today it's so like, if you really, really, really wanted to go, like especially us, all of us living in in the Western world with all of our all of our benefits and our opportunities. Like, if you really fell in love with someone from Malabar, you could just fucking get to a Malabar. plane. Go to Malabar. Get on a plane yeah. and you'll be there tomorrow or the day after. Like, yeah. we're talking here m- probably months on a ship and he knew that he would never, ever see her again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is haunting. It, it still happens, like... I know. I know it's much more accessible these days, but it's also not financially viable. A lot of the time to do these things, but yeah, you still have Facebook, you still have Instagram, you have all of that stuff. Even yeah. if you'll never see her again, you'll probably fucking have her haunt in your DMs for the next three years. Yeah, you know, like um, I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, imagine, imagine our friendship. If if I had, if this had been a hundred years ago, and I had, <laughs> had to been get on living. A ship. I had been living in Ireland for a little bit and we had been playing music and travelling around and I went home to the Viking country and... And well, not a hundred years ago, but anyway. And then the Spanish flu came. There Jeez. wouldn't have there wouldn't have been much of a podcast. I'll no. tell you. No, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you that like we wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to talk for e- and and Ireland, Norway isn't particularly far. It's not further than that the Vikings were able to go and rape and pillage and settle yeah. down yeah. Uh, a thousand years ago. So it's like compared to Ireland or England. Malabar which would be across the world
0: Mhm. yep you're, like, you're talking like you're talking days on a ship versus months on a ship
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's insane, crazy insane, insane
0: imagine imagine that Christian then and you you meet a girl and you have to stay over or you're over there with her for however long and then you have to leave and you have no choice but to leave yeah what does one do one what writes do- a song
1: one writes the song, that's the only thing you can do, yeah, not <sighs>
0: much left to do when you're sitting at home, yeah,
1: no it kind of makes me it doesn't have anything in particular to do with with the song itself but but speaking of sean and and I mean we talked about Paddy Maloney recently, um like it's it's a little bit sentimental to think about that that a lot of the people and i said this to you before um the people that were really revolutionary a lot of the people that that were part of irish music at in the 70s and like in the in the time when it, the revolutionary albums and bands came out like they're getting to that age now that yeah that they're starting to move on in mm-hmm. lack of a better way yeah, of putting true. it. That, that is. That and you is wonder, really, really is there,
0: is there a new generation of inspirational people like those people coming up? Sometimes I wonder. It's, it's really is hard. Is it the same? It's, is, it, it's, is it the same or isn't it or? Like, there are great musicians, don't get me wrong, Jesus, there are fantastic, wonderful musicians and artists and writers and actors and singers, and they all exist. But I wonder sometimes if they exist in the same vein as the older inspirational people that would have inspired so many over the last hundred years. Yeah, and, you
1: know. and it's something about the world today as well, like how things are set up. With everyone being their own indie band, with their Facebook page and their, like their, their whole making an artist career for themselves, on one hand, and then you have the whole, the whole touristy, uh, music business on on the other hand, being complete, being just com- something completely different. Like it's it's hard to it's hard to see in all of the clutter of of music business even within the traditional music world the the folk world it's hard to to point to the things that are gonna be looked back at as the things of like the the standouts things of this generation of of yeah. musicians, like they're they're out there. They're I could I could list probably tens of names of bands and, and yeah. solo musicians now that that are absolutely fantastic and moving the tradition on. But but if you like, it was a different world. And yeah, the, that's
0: how I feel too. Like, are they influential in the same way? I feel that they're not because I don't know. Everything is so saturated now. Yeah, you know, you don't have people like that as heroes like you used to maybe i'm wrong maybe there's young people coming up now looking at musicians saying wow yeah Yeah. like i i i I don't
1: know i'm not saying that they're not but
0: maybe we're just of that in between awkward generation where the people that we would consider are our heroes either have moved on or, or are already like reaching that place where they're yeah. going going beyond and leaving us with their legacy and we're sitting here going jesus christ what now yeah no it's but, it's um, strange yeah the I'm, younger generation maybe has a different legacy to follow so i don't know yeah it is constantly evolving and moving and changing it's the nature of tradition and the nature of folk music <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah good good place to end and and i just want to say like obviously we're i'm not saying that this is any any of this. If if there is a difference here from from then to now, like that's obviously not the musician's fault or the songwriter's fault, or yeah. it's just the society. Like, does it work the same way now that it did? Are people are are young people growing up now looking up to Dari Farrell and Chris Reeve and uh, Cara Dillon and Julie Fowlis and Lancum and all, all of these. <laughs> I mean, some
0: some of the names you've mentioned, I would certainly be looking up to. Well, yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. I, me
1: too. But are they like, yeah. yeah, are they are they the 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 Andy Irvine's and the Christy Morris of our generation, or are we are we in a in a different place today than yeah. than we were when they came along and they changed the world
0: yeah changing the face of music when it was less saturated and everyone follows them and then it, it trickles down it's like a family tree I suppose you know it trickles down and it branches out and each one underneath has its own dedicated group of followers and then it branches out again and it keeps going you know so maybe it's just getting more saturated like I said
1: yeah well at least Tura Lura is here to bring it all together <laughs> into the of answering,
0: answering all the hard questions and missing <laughs> missing all the fair maidens over on the coast of Malabar yeah tune in, to, tune in to Tura Lura tune in to Tura Lura again next week on the same podcast time same podcast channel for more broken hearts and wishes and pining for people over the foam yeah I sound Uh, like I'm doing an advertisement but I'm not doing it very well
1: more sadness and dreadfulness and sadness and
0: misery and woe and hunger and starvation but sure do you know what we'll be as happy as we can be isn't it great
1: isn't it great (laughs) fucking fantastic (laughs) so it is
0: folks get out there and look up Sean Tyrrell listen to his albums Cries of a Dreamer I think that's what it's called lovely music rest in peace Sean and we're happy to get a little tribute for you in there today and what else did we do? We talked about the song, Coast of Malabar. Look that up. Look up the versions. Great stuff. We'll stick a few in the show notes. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or ideas or notions about anything we talked about on the show today, be sure to fire us an email, tourallurapodcast at gmail.com. And what are the socials, Mr. Dougstaff?
1: The socials are at podcast on Instagram, a product of Facebook. And a product to- of Meta. <laughs> to Lura on the Facebook, which is also a product of Mr. Zuckerberg. Um, the yeah. O's
0: and the raz and the L's and the raz
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: poor, old, poor old Mark Zuckerberg, huh? Poor old. He doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with all his money.
1: <laughs> oh my God! If you want one last tip, one of your favorites, uh, Josh. Uh, if you wanna. If you want to stick it to Zuckerberg and Bezos and the lads, then go listen to Bo Burnham.
0: Absolutely, you
1: probably have done already if you're at all following the what 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 is going on in the popular music scene. Yeah, at least a, a little bit. of everything all of the of time.
0: It. Yeah, a just like what you'll get here on Turulura. <laughs> well, uh, folk uh, music podcast straight al- from Osley and
1: Ennis. <laughs> a little bit of everything all of the time. I think we're more a lot of folk, folk music some of the time. <laughs> yeah, and a
0: lot of talking shite the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's, Great to that's have awesome. you folks. Thanks a mil for tuning in. Yeah, slán. turulura.
1: from a friend of a friend that was a 10 out of 10.